Hey, how you doing? It's Clayton here from HowToDrawComics.net with another episode of the HTDC Podcast. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Isaac Bell. Isaac Bell is an extremely skilled comic book illustrator who has recently crowdfunded his own comic book on Kickstarter with great success. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Isaac about his start in comic book illustration, some of the techniques and strategies he used to develop his artistic skill set, and we'll also delve into his process for producing a full-blown comic book. Isaac, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you with us, man. Hey, it's great to be here, Clayton. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries, man. You're very, very welcome. I've been looking forward to uh, getting you on the podcast and having a having a conversation with you, just talking to the man behind Metal Shade, your comic <laughs> book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sweet, man. All right, well, look, to start this off with, why don't you tell us a little bit about what got you into comic book illustration in the first place? Well, man, that's a, a long story, I guess. But uh, really, just being such a, a nerd about comic books growing up, I always loved the medium. And, uh, you know, it, it's actually, it's funny. I knew that's what I wanted to do for from a very young age. So, and, uh, yeah, it was just a love of comic books. And uh, as I got into my late 20s early 30s I realized I needed to really start taking it seriously if I wanted to actually make that happen because uh, you know it's a very competitive industry and uh, it's it's really hard to break in so and uh, I wasn't uh, wasn't putting the work in that I needed to so mm. uh, once I buckled down and started doing that uh, you know one thing led to another and uh, yeah, it just kind of went from there. Yeah, totally, man. It it does take some time, and I'm very much right there with you. When I was a kid, I absolutely loved comic books for some reason. I don't know why. I just, I think I hated reading a lot, and so comic books were the best of both worlds because you could still read a story, but you had the visuals there to keep you engaged. So that's why I loved the format. But did you read comic books as a kid as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. did. Um, definitely grew up with comics. I was, uh, you know, I guess I was a, a Thor fan uh, as a young guy. And then as I started getting into my uh, angsty uh, teenage years, <laughs> I fell in love with Image. So, and that was the early Image stuff, the really visceral, uh, you know, crazy detailed uh, stuff of the, the 90s. So, yeah, totally. Man. That was, yeah, that was a good time. I enjoyed the '90s a lot. Really, uh, really loved, um, of course, Todd McFarlane's Spawn, and uh, what Rob Liefeld was putting out at the time, and Jim Lee as well with Wildcats. They were all super cool. In fact, they were probably the besides the Phantom, which I I collected all the time. Uh, I don't know if you'd know that comic book character. It's a bit of an old one now. Your grandparents oh, would yeah. probably know about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I know the Phantom. Yeah, I love the Phantom. But then it was yeah straight into the image stuff, man. I just 
the the detail, and uh, I take it that you're a fan of the detail as well. But just looking at your own comic book art style that you've developed over the years. Um, but yeah, it was super cool. It was a good time. Yeah, there was a, a lot of excitement uh, in the industry, and uh, yeah, uh, that was the name of the game back then. Was just uh, push the detail and uh, push the style. Mm-hmm. And uh, just get as crazy as you wanted. You could just uh, do really over-the-top, insane uh, artwork, and that's what was popular back then. Yeah, so, it was. I, you know, yeah, I mean, these days uh, things have toned down a lot. Uh, there's a lot less uh, time spent in general uh, in the, the artwork. It's more to support, just to support the story. Hmm. So, which is fine, you know. There's a there's a lot of great series that uh, that do that that I enjoy reading. Oh, that's but, uh, cool. It's, it's, it, but it's but uh, it's few and far between that you get someone that's just uh, that's really putting the time into the art, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, and there's still you know a handful of those guys out there that are doing beautiful work. Oh yeah, but, uh, it is rare. I wish, to be honest, there was more of it. Because I feel like, you know, a comic book is good and as amazing as the story might be. It's it's always the visuals that catch your eye first, you know, and, and get you to buy in and invest the time into reading that story in the first place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I, I would say, too, that, uh, you know, as much as I love that era of comics, uh, a lot of those books... You know, it was, they, they were missing the substance of a solid storyline in many cases. So you would have the this gorgeous art, and then, you know, when you start to read it, uh, you know, it can even hurt the art because, you know, especially if what you're reading is just kind of dumb, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, some of those old books really are, unfortunately. And, uh you know, and now it's kind of like we've gone in the complete other direction where, uh, you know, something can be really well written, but, uh, you know, the the artwork uh, doesn't have that same flair. Mm. So with Metal Shade, that, that was definitely the whole, you know, idea is like, look, I, I want to have this crazy, detailed, intense artwork, and I want to have a story because, it, like you said, the, the art you know, is what's going to catch people's eye, bring people in. But uh, I think the story is why people stick around. And I, I think that's why, uh, you know, in the end, all that beautiful 90s artwork uh, didn't carry the, uh, a lot of those uh, books through into, you know, because they didn't have the, the substance there. They didn't have the story. Yeah, totally. Even, even if it's not a super deep story, and it's even a little bit generic, as long as it's good. Because there was a yeah. lot of movies from back then that are still classics till this day. Like, you know, if you look at, if you look at, like, take a classic like Aliens or The Terminator, for example. Like, they're really simple stories when you think about it. Like, they're pretty mm-hmm. basic. But they were just executed super well. Like, great story, wonderful narrative. And uh, cool visuals, of course, as well on top of that. So it's when you can really strike that perfect balance between the two. Because you can have over-detailed artwork as well that's just so busy that it's disorientating to look at. So, 
And then yeah. you've got some stories that are so deep and so profound. You, you walk away with, it feels like your mind has just been melted or in a <laughs> microwave or something, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, um, no, I, I agree. Hmm. And I guess, you know, uh, not every dumb story was great. Like 90% of the dumb stories back then were were worthy of nothing more than the trash can. But there were some dumb stories that were actually pretty funny and still cool to this day. So, uh, you know, there's the outliers here and there. Yeah, definitely. And, and I agree, too. Uh, I mean, you can have a really simple plot uh, or a simple concept and just es- execute it well, and mm. you're going to have a, you know, that's what it's about. So. Yeah. Totally, man. Well, so how long have you been drawing for? Because you're a very skilled artist, Isaac. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I've been drawing forever uh, since I was a little kid. But, uh, you know, I was lazy, man. I was lazy about it. Uh, I I wasn't putting the work, I I wasn't putting the focus into it that I needed. and uh, yeah, as, as I started getting older, it was like, okay, you know, if you really want to do something with this, you, you know, you can't keep goofing off, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I got to a point where uh, I basically just quit everything, gave up everything that I was doing in my life, uh, my job, my apartment. Wow. Uh, I lived in a I lived in a great area in uh, San Francisco um, and uh, basically moved into a little shack in my mom's backyard. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it, it was a huge, huge life change. And uh, I just sat in this, uh, you know, little building and, and drew all day. And I had no idea if uh, I was ever going to make it, if I was going to start making money off of my art. And uh, it was it was a little scary, but it was also kind of like I put myself in this sink or swim situation and uh, with no distractions. So, uh, mm. you know, I started making stuff happen little by little. Yeah. I mean, it's those uh, sink or swim situations that really push you beyond the limitations that you think you've got there in front of you and it's just what you need to to get to the next level um so it was good it was really good that you did that man i think yeah i mean i'm so thankful that uh uh you know that i made that decision because uh you know if if you were to see what i was doing back before that you know it was it was really bad you know it was not good art and uh you know, and it, it, man, so, you know, you know what it takes to get to, uh, to, uh, you know, the level you're at. Yeah. I mean, God, it's a, a ton of work. I mean, it's insane. Everything goes into, uh, you know, just drawing at that level. Yeah, so. totally, man. Ultimate immersion. That's what it's all about. But what was it exactly at the time that made you realize, you know what? I need to dump everything right now and move back to this shack on your parents' property and just dedicate like the next who knows how many years to art and not even really know 100% for sure if you're going to be able to do anything 
with that sacrifice once you've made it? Yeah, you you know, uh, I think there was always this kind of nagging feeling that was like in the back of my head. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I had just been too immature uh, to to just do it, you know. I, I mean, uh, and I think it may have been the combination of, of things as I, you know, I was, uh, you know, growing a, a little in maturity and uh, just uh, caused me to listen to that voice because, uh, yeah, it had been on my mind for a long time and there had been large periods of my life where I was not drawing at all and just very unhappy with life. Mm. So there was, yeah, man, whenever I wasn't uh, working on my art, I was, uh, I, I felt very unfulfilled and I knew that I was, uh, I was messing up. Yeah. So. It's an interesting thing, man, like that need to express oneself, whether it be through you know, comic book art like we do or music or writing or even film, whatever it is. For some reason, when we're not doing that, it doesn't feel quite right. There's something missing. And uh, without that outlet of expression, I, I don't know if we're really uh, living up to a full potential in at least one form, you know, where it's where, where you do need to not just take from the world, but actually give something to it through that expression. I know that's getting a, bit, a little bit woohoo there, but I've noticed the same thing. And even some of my friends who, you know, they've taken a break from that hobby that they love doing, uh, whether it, again, I got a musician friend and, you know, I remember he took a break from it for years and he just became so miserable and that, yeah. to the point where he started dreaming about doing it again, and that propelled him to just get back into it, rebuy all the equipment, and he was happy after that. That fulfillment came back. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I feel like uh, that. Uh, you know, it's 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 always there. Like the stuff that you're supposed to be working on. It, you know, when you're not, you're you just you're not going to be. Uh, very happy with uh, the way things are going oh yeah like you, you can't escape from it I, I was kind of the same as well man i think uh i was always dedicated that's probably the big difference like i knew that doing some kind of art and being artistic was something that i needed to do in my life whether or not it was going to be a realistic thing to do or not that was the big question and so uh, being a comic book artist of course you know the, the big bubble burst during that 90s yeah. era and uh, ever since comic books kind of went downhill until maybe recently as far as, you know, the, them as an industry. But uh, so I started looking to industries such as video games and, and maybe movies and being a concept artist in them or a, or a 3D artist maybe, things that could still exercise that creativity but... Even And I did work in the games industry for a little while, but I just couldn't escape comic books, man. You know, it was always <laughs> something that I went back to. And I remember there was this one night where I, I had to make that call. You know, what was I really going to pick if I could only pick one? And uh, comic book came up lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such an interesting medium, just uh, sequential storytelling. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you follow that back and, and and see like 
you know, some of the places that originated, like you have to, to, uh, you know, it, it gives you the feeling that this is something that's been important to, to people for, you know, for as long as we have, uh, you know, recorded history. Yeah. Or even it's amazing. To, to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So amazing, man. And I think I love the challenge of it as well. I mean, comic books is something that are, is always going to give you a, a worthy, uh, a run for your money, so to speak, where, um, whereas something like 3d modeling, you know, once you know how to put a polygon together and, you know, you know, the overall understanding of, of how to create a 3d model, it's actually pretty easy. And, uh, but man, when, you know, when you're doing a movie, you can kind of shoot through a camera and you got the perspective and everything lined up. You know, you might have to muck around with it to get the right composition and lighting, but with a comic book, you got to build all of that from the ground up, as as I'm sure you know. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think that's part of really being an artist, too, is, like, you have that, uh, it, it's like, you you have that need to push yourself and to put yourself right on the edge there where it's, you know, it's just on the edge of, of uh, you know, too difficult, you know, yep. like always pushing that edge. That's so, exactly it, yeah. man. I've, uh, I've heard that concept before and I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I mean, that's what makes you grow, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool, man. So at what age did you really start to take your craft from a hobby to an activity uh, you just did for fun? And, and made it something more serious. Like, how old were you at the time when you, you decided to drop everything you were doing and and move out into a shack and, and really dedicate yourself? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, let me think. I must have been, uh, I was in my early 30s, so I want to oh, say wow. I was like... late. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty late. It, it was. Um, and I, I, I feel like uh, I had been... I had made uh, a bunch of like false starts, like trying to push in that direction. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I, like I, I didn't start off, uh, too far behind, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, I, I must've been like somewhere between like 30 and 32. I want to yeah, say. Wow. Before I, yeah. And, and how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking. I'm 30. Yeah, I'm 37 now. So, 37, uh, cool. So seven years you've you've gotten back into the game, and what made this time different from all those other false starts you said you had? Uh, dedication and sacrifice. Like it, it for me, it really came down to what was I willing to give up because I had all of these really wonderful distractions in my life. And uh, it really came down to what's more important to you, because uh, if you want to do this comic thing, you got to make it happen like soon, you know. And uh, you know the the uh, the other life stuff, those uh, fun distractions, you know, <laughs> you can get those back later. <laughs> but uh, so, and it, you know, it's it, it has kind of worked out that way because you know I put the the art first, uh, doing mm -hmm. the comic thing first. And then, uh, you know, I, you know, and I did spend a lot of time just by myself, like completely alone, uh, working on that stuff. Uh, yeah. but, uh, 
you know, over the years, uh, uh, you know, I, there's, I've kind of built a new life on top of that. So that's fantastic to yeah. hear, man. Very cool. Yep. Um, it's interesting to think about how much dedication you must still have even at the age of 37 because I know that a lot of people, they tend to slow down a little bit. You know, they they go to bed a little bit earlier, they sleep in a little later, and uh, they like to just chill out on the weekends and, and not really uh, think about work or anything like that. But I'm starting to uh, get a little bit of an inkling that maybe uh, you're just constantly at that drawing table smashing out page after page. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, the truth is that's when I'm happiest, you know. And, I mean, I discovered, a, you know, a few years back, several years back, that when I uh, was spending my day, like, uh, working on my art and uh, pushing forward uh, towards my goals, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm I'm happy. I, I go to bed, uh, I sleep better, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, happy with myself, and uh, so, and that's really how it is now. I mean, I love sitting. I'm down here in my basement, just uh, working. And and now that Metal Shade is, uh, you know, uh, successful, I I get to do this, just work on the comic, just work on my comic full time, which Man, is amazing. That is a dream yeah. come true. You must be so over the moon. Yeah, I'm, I'm super happy about it. I mean. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's great. And, uh, you know, I've, like, uh, I've noticed, like, I'll have a birthday or it'll be, there'll be uh, some holiday or, so we, we're like, okay, we're going to do something special. We're going to go out and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, you got to do that stuff sometimes, mm -hmm. but, uh, I'm never as happy doing that stuff as I am just sitting here drawing. So, mm. yep. I, I get you. I understand, Isaac. I do. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, it's. I've got to be dragged away from my studio as well, you know, because yeah. I think, and it's amazing to be able to find something that instead of taking away your energy and, and leaving you feel just strung out at the end of the day, it gives you more and, and it inspires you and gives you something to look forward to. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean... Just uh, waking up in the morning, being excited about what you're working on that day, and uh, being excited that you're going to sit down here and spend every minute possible of that day working on it. Uh, it's, it is a great feeling. Yeah, man. It is. It's cool. So uh, was your intention always to become a comic book illustrator, or did you entertain the idea of other forms of illustration that you might be able to explore, such as concept art, like we mentioned before, for video games, or maybe even storyboarding for movies, etc.? Um, yeah, I, I definitely the ultimate goal was definitely always comics. Nice. Um, but, uh, you know... Like, I, I felt like, uh, you know, the first step was just being able to uh, get any work doing art. And uh, so, you know, I've done a lot of different stuff um, to get to this point. And usually uh, it was comic-centric, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, especially 
really uh early on it was like i'll do anything that you know i'll be able to or will pay me so i can uh pay the bills and keep doing it you know and uh that that was that was the first huge step was just being able to do art full time in the first place even if i wasn't really working on this the projects that i wanted uh it, it, I think that was a really important part of my progression too, is drawing stuff I didn't want to draw and uh, mm. getting through it. And that was another kind of back up against the wall kind of thing. It was like, you know, I, I have to pay my rent each month. So, you know, I'm going to take what I can get. <laughs> yeah, big time. So, so you were just working freelance for a little while. Yeah, for for most of my time, most of like the past four or five years, I guess. Okay. That's what I was doing. Yeah. Nice. And so actually, when I met I met my fiance at a uh, comic convention, and uh, that's what she's been doing conventions forever for like ten years since she was like uh, sixteen. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, yeah, she's a a veteran of the game, so she kind of showed me the ropes of. Uh, of doing that instead and like that was a game changer too uh it's a lot less work it was a lot more fun and uh it, we actually you know were able to earn a lot more uh doing that man that's so. awesome see i wouldn't have even thought of that like i haven't been to a convention properly yet like i've never had it ran a table or anything like that yeah is is there a big scene for that in Australia? Uh, yeah, we got the we got the Comic Cons here and uh, the Supernovas and, and a few other different conventions where comic book artists and cosplayers alike will go to check out all the, the geeky nerd stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's it's pretty cool. We we even had David Finch here one year, which was awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah. I bet. So I probably bet. not as big as, as America though. Um whereabouts are you based? I'm in Kansas. Oh, yeah, nice. In the, the the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but, uh, hey, sometimes it's the best place to be. It works for me, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about your approach to practice. What are your favorite tactics and techniques for sharpening up your comics book skill set? Okay, yeah, that's a great question. Um you know, definitely, I'm a little sporadic about it, but uh, it it's all centered around finding uh, resources on the internet, and uh, you know, I mean, I guess uh, starting off, a lot of it was just uh, copying uh, photographs, uh, copying uh, you know anatomy charts, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just different body parts and different angles. Um, and just a lot of drawing in general. Um, one thing I've been trying to do, uh, more recently is, uh, I have a, you know, uh, finding, uh, pencil images of artists I really love and then, uh, spending some time each morning inking them on, uh, on the, uh, iPad. Oh, nice. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, originally, I definitely learned uh, to draw from tracing, you know, as a kid. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I would trace stuff and uh, 
you know, after a while I could just copy stuff, and then after a while I was I could draw it out of my head. So, uh, you know, and I, I, of course, got away from that stuff, uh, you know, because it's mm-hmm. not cool to trace. <laughs> but uh, actually, I think it is cool to trace, and I think it's important. I think that yeah. uh, all that information of how to make that great art is just right there, and you can literally just, you know, uh, trace over that stuff, and it it builds into your uh, into your own toolbox, you know, mm. and you're able to call on uh, on that stuff when you're uh, drawing out of your head. And so, and for you, do you notice that, like, when you sit down to draw, do you recall upon some of the things that maybe you've traced in the past and now implement it in your work, just purely yeah. from memory? Yeah, it, uh, you know, definitely. I mean, like, just little things will click, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, one of the, actually, um, one of the drawings I used to copy all the time was that, uh, I believe it's Prophet uh, Number 5, uh, the Stephen Platt variant. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah. I, I love Stephen probably, Platt's work you, on that. Yeah, so and I I copied that drawing so many times over the years, and that was literally where I learned to render. So and it's a a terrible terrible way to learn rendering, I would say. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's what I was excited about, you know. Was I, I love that guy's art, and uh, it was a lot easier for me to sit down and uh, do this tedious tedious copying of his work than it was for me to actually just you know do the exercises that you know do the little ball the sphere (laughs) and uh shade it and and go from there i i never had the patience to do it right i guess yeah but is that how you build your drawings up now when you're you're doing the layouts for a comic book do you start out with the basic foundations the basic shapes etc yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, and, you know, like that, the tracing stuff, I think it only takes you so far, you know, in the copying, because uh, you have to really understand, like, why they why they were doing what they were doing and the underlying structure behind everything. Mm. So, so I can't, I kind of started, uh, you know, at the end and then worked my way up back to the, uh, the fundamentals which yeah. i wouldn't recommend i wouldn't recommend that <laughs> yeah it's just kind of how i did it it's weird maybe maybe more people than we think kind of start off that way isaac because i remember when i was super young like in primary school still i would do a lot of tracing i'd trace out of uh this old disney book that my mum gave me had a bunch of characters in it with different facial expressions, and I'd make little, I trace them and make little comic book strips out of them. And uh, I remember there was a Simpsons draw uh, artwork that I had traced for a friend at school. <laughs> he knew it was traced. There was no fooling him. So apparently yeah. I was a bad tracer as well. But um, one thing that I did during my high school years when I reached that same point that you were talking about Isaac where you just realize look if you're going to be a comic book artist 
you've got to really dedicate yourself to the craft because there's just you know there's no way around it you can't screw around you've got to be 100 percent in it um and i started doing this exercise and the philosophy behind it was that if i could draw from observation rather than tracing uh, a series of artworks that my favorite artists did and copy it down to the page really observe you know where they were placing that rendering how they were placing it the way they use line weights the composition that they'd typically go for in their artwork maybe something would sink in and maybe a little small part of that would start showing up in my own work when i started just you know going out there on my own taking off the training wheels and and trying to go for it that way and I do think that that really did benefit me in a in a big way later on down the track, especially when I would, because one day I would I might do a few observational studies in that way, and then the next day I'd try and go out on my own and I'd create a new illustration, which where I would try to implement some of those things that I had learned from those studies. I guess you'd call them master studies, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, definitely. And I found that helped out a lot, man. Did you ever see uh, Stephen Platt's uh, Nomon workshop video? Oh, man, that that thing changed my life. <laughs> Me too. Seeing him yeah. render, man, was just... And, and how he would draw those hatches around the forms, it just made everything click. Ah, oh, that's so awesome, because that's one of the things that I just love about your work is your feathering. It's just gorgeous, and it, I guess that's uh, that's yeah. what it reminds me of. No, thanks, man. Well, I mean, he's probably responsible for that, you know? Uh, along yeah, with David just, Finch's stuff, too, of course. But Of course, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he had his own wonderful series of, uh, of Nomen Workshop, or Nomen, whatever, it's, yeah. uh, however it's pronounced. Yeah, but, totally, uh, man. I think that's why I was inspired to create courses for how to draw comics and to create just that, that resource for comic artists was because I know how much seeing these guys at work helped me in the development of my own skill set. And I know I would be a very different artist right now if I hadn't been able to see how they worked. Right, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool, man. So how did you go about developing your style for your art? And, and how did you ma make it recognizable after you'd done the, the, you know, traced over those artworks? How did you make it recognizable and unique to you? Huh, I always have trouble answering that because, you <laughs> know, it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I try to be as as raw and as organic uh in my approach to style as possible so it's like you know there's a bunch of stuff in my head uh you know art that i love uh certain styles that i love and it's all kind of you know you know mixed in this like soup somewhere in my subconscious and uh, i try to just let that come out so yeah and there are yeah i mean there's like a certain you know, when I'm drawing my lines, uh, there's definitely, uh, I don't even know how to put it, but uh, I, I want those lines to have uh, 
this aggressive feel to them. There's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of hooky, angular uh, shapes, uh, a lot of sharp lines, mm-hmm. uh, sharp, sharp corners, and that kind of stuff. So I try to just, you know, let it come out. And I, uh, my uh, theory is, is that's the, the way to get to that, that pure stuff that, uh, you know, is that, that pure ex- expression of uh, pure stylistic expression, I guess. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. Um, I remember seeing a video of Mark Silvestri working and uh, he was talking about how when he is developing an illustration, he tries to go as fast as possible because the less he thinks about it, the faster it comes out onto the page and the more energy that's there in the drawing as a result. And it kind of sounds like when it comes to your artwork and, you know, I've seen your artwork and I would definitely agree with this, that there is a lot of energy there and that sharpness just makes the, the shape and the contours of the characters that much more vivid. You know, they really do pop because of that. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Thank you. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, of course the detail complements it, which I just think it's, you, you definitely have a unique style to you. Isaac, like I haven't really, I couldn't, I couldn't compare it to, to anyone else's, right? I could say it's 90s style in a sense, you know, it's got that high octane detail and that massive amount of energy coming through, but it is certainly the, as you said, the culmination of a lot of different influences that no doubt you picked up over the years and then maybe a little bit of you as well. Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Nice. So, I mean, there is there's there's always there's always the material you love that that uh, to some degree you want to emulate, but you also want to be your you know authentic and and really be uh, yourself in your work. Yeah, totally. And you know, you want to enjoy drawing. Right, and if you're drawing within a, a similar vein to the stuff that you love seeing in other artists, then, I mean, it's of course you're going to enjoy drawing it, you know. But uh, look, man, we're about half an yeah, hour definitely. in or more, so let's talk about your comic book battle shade. Tell us what it's all about. Cool. Cool. Well. Yeah. Uh... So Metal Shade is something that's been in my head since I was like maybe 16, 17 years old. Wow, cool. So, and uh, back then it was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> back then it was, it was really, uh, it was really bad, uh, as you'd imagine. It was like, it was uh, kind of a ripoff of uh, Wetworks, I would mm-hmm. say. I don't know if you've ever seen that comic. We'll Never read it. Never read it, but it was, the art looks amazing. Yeah, it was like a cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, that was the, you know, it was, I was just a teenager kind of trying to emulate a comic I thought was really cool. Uh, and then over the years, I've just been kind of chipping away at it. And uh, really, it was always just kind of a vehicle to be able to tell my stories. So it it was a very fluid uh, concept, uh, you know, over the decades. Mm. So uh, in these past, like maybe three or 
four years, I would say, I started realizing that I was uh, getting to the point where I might be able to actually, you know, uh, make the book, you know, or make a book. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it was a, a fluid concept uh, with a name I thought was cool. So, uh, you know, at that time I started really uh, trying to figure out what the story was going to be, uh, you know, who were these characters, uh, what was the setting. And uh, it started kind of falling together uh, slowly. Yeah. Um, started with uh, some character designs. So, uh, you know, like we were talking about, uh, the, the visuals are generally what are going to catch people in the first place. So uh, that was always really important to me to have uh, designs that I thought were cool. And uh, it was really hard to move forward until I started getting some of those down. And uh, it was it was really hard. It, uh, mm -hmm. You know, I drew a lot of really, uh, really uh, generic kind of bland uh, stuff uh, until I started getting some things that I liked. And uh, once I had those designs that I was starting to feel like could be good enough, um, that's when the story started to take shape around them. And, uh, I think I do have this kind of um, old school Marvel approach where uh, it's like you kind of plot things out with the art and then build your script around that. Wow. And uh, That's interesting. So I, I, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's been a great approach for me because uh, it does just feel really organic. I can draw, I know, like, I know the plot. I know what I want the scenes to be. And uh, once I, you know, and I spend a ton of time drawing this stuff out because it's just, it's too much detail. But uh, as I'm doing that, I'm starting to figure out, like, what they're saying to each other, uh, you know. Cause it, and you get a lot from the drawing. Like, a, a character will have a certain look, you know, like, and you can kind of kind of imagine what their attitude is, you know. Uh, in in their uh in their uh, dialogue and things like that mm. so um and that's kind of how it was with the that's kind of how it went down with the character designs it was like i started designing these characters and uh based on the the visual the aesthetics it was like okay this character is probably like this um started coming up with backstories um and that was that was literally like years of uh, building concept behind wow, these characters. Really, and I was like already drawing pages. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was already drawing pages uh, before I really had the story like nailed down. You know, I thought I did, but it it wasn't good enough. You know, it really wasn't. Uh, it took a lot of time chipping away at the plot, at the story, uh, at the characters, especially their backgrounds, um, you know, because Metal Shade is a team book, and uh, I really needed the characters to be uh, fully realized. And uh, once you do understand your characters, like what their personalities are, 
what they've been through and what their motivations are, it is, uh, you know, infinitely easier to write them. Uh, you know what they're going to say in different situations, you know, you know what their attitude is going to be and, uh, you know, their, their lingo, um, and all of these things. Mm. So, uh, that's how things kind of came together. Man, that's so interesting. This is really hard, man. You know, I spent, yeah, well, it's kind of a weird, uh, weird approach, I guess, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of time, uh, you know, cause I, I would write a lot of stuff out too. And, um, I'd get to spend a bunch of time like looking at it and just going like, man, this is, this is clunky. Uh, this part isn't working. Uh, you know, things are, aren't connecting, uh, correctly. So I was able to really, really chip away at it. It's been a huge advantage to have like a few years, uh, you know, sculpting this thing before we actually are releasing it. So, yeah. So let me ask you, how long did this first official issue of metal shade, I guess, take you to put together all up? So as far as like, uh, the drawing the pages and stuff, uh, it, it took a good year. It yeah. really did. And, so and, and how you know, many pages I wasn't was that? working on it. I wasn't working on it full time. Yep. It's uh, 23 pages. Cool. So not, not a whole lot, but, uh, like while I was working on them, of course I was having to, uh, do commissions and, uh, you know, travel around doing the shows. So I wasn't really working on them full time. So, uh, but I'm getting to that, you know, now I've been able to take uh, time off to uh, really focus on them. But uh, actually the, the art for the second issue is finished as well. Oh, wow. Uh, at least the nice. line work. And uh, I was a lot, yeah, I was a lot faster with that issue. So, and that's a, another advantage uh, I have from spending so much time uh, in the kind of like concept stage is I have a, a really solid handle on where the story is heading, uh, the things that need to happen, all this stuff. So, and that adds into being able to produce pages faster too. Yeah. So with issue two now, how long is it with, given that you've got more time to spend on it at this point, how long does it take you to complete a, a single page or like a day or a week? Because I know your stuff's pretty detailed. So I'm at the point right now where I can pretty much, so, and like the thing about Metal Shade 2, uh, is, uh, or, or the series in general is, uh, I work a lot in two page spreads. So there are actually more two page spreads than, uh, um, than single pages in the issues. Hmm. Uh, so, and I can do, I can do one of those uh in about three or four days now that's awesome man so it's like essentially yeah essentially two days a page so and that's penciling and inking and that's definitely the the fastest i've i've ever been at this point so well that is fast but uh, like... also sometimes you know yeah it, it, i 
I try to be organic about it too. Like uh, if I just I spend as much time as is needed. So if something needs uh, the extra time, like I, you know, I'll spend a, another day on it to make it right. You know, and uh, that's kind of a you know something that always uh, stressed me out was that I, I needed to be faster. I needed to be faster. I couldn't spend a year making one issue. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I was listening to, uh, oh, who was it? Oh, it was Ethan Van Skyver mm-hmm. talking about, like, uh, Cyberfrog and stuff and how much time he would actually spend on the work. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at his stuff and it is, it's insane. Yeah. So, you know, and hearing him, hearing him talk about how much time he would spend on his stuff was like it kind of lifted a weight in a in a ways. It was like okay, maybe I I need to uh, focus, put the focus on all on the quality, you know, hmm. and uh, you know, st- still still move as quickly as I can. But uh, yeah, so and and uh, you know, I will admit after uh, hearing that stuff, I did go back uh, and spend some extra time on. Uh, a lot of the pages from uh, issue two, so man, that's that's was, really uh, awesome to I know. I was definitely focused on cranking it out. Yeah. yeah, cool, man. Yeah, well, so I I saw something from from Ethan Van Skyver about that as well, and and he said uh, something along the lines of you know it's it's much better to rather than just trying to get something out for the sake of uh, a schedule or time. It's it's much better to focus on the quality of the art, and you know that's been something I've always struggled with as well, man. Because as you know, my stuff's crazy detailed, probably too detailed, and um, so I I worry about the speed at which I'm able to produce my art and uh, my my comic, hopefully this year as well. But I think in the end, if you can put the quality into it, man, then it's it's not just a one-hit wonder; it becomes a, a classic, hopefully. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I think that uh, it was just it was kind of, you know, eye-opening to hear that, and I'm so glad that I did because uh, it has definitely changed my focus, and I think that uh, sometimes there are some really uh, detailed artists out there who um, maybe aren't as honest about how long it takes them to do that stuff, and it kind of it makes you feel like uh, you need to. That's that's what you need to achieve, and uh, mm. maybe it's just it's not realistic. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, totally, but, man. I I agree. Um, it's funny listening to you talk about the way in which you approach producing metal shade because i've just started jumping into the drafting stages of my comic book that i want to do this year and uh, i've jumped around ideas a little bit but i've settled on one and the initial idea i had was very planned out you know like script and everything and and then when i went to do it i was just so bored you know, like it, it didn't feel creative to me at all. I was, it was <laughs> yes. felt like I was working from a script, and the stuff I was drawing for it was just a little bit bland. It wasn't the naughty stuff that I loved. I can tell you that. And uh, 
And so with this approach to this this current project that I'm working on, I've somehow drafted up 24 pages of story, and it's probably going to be, you know, maybe a little bit more than that, maybe double that depending on how it goes, but it's been an amazing process to just see that come together without a script and to watch it write itself as I just thumbnail it out. And it's been an absolute pleasure to actually produce it that way. It was surprising how I've even got the dialogue written in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that's such a great approach, uh, especially when you're, uh, you're the artist and the writer. I mean, why not do it that way? Like you literally are writing uh, with your drawings, you know, uh, mm. initially you're, you're plotting with your drawings. Totally. Man. And I mean, that's, that's what they, that's what, that's what Marvel did. You know, all those years, it was like Stan Lee would give a, a loose idea of what was, what needed to happen. And then, uh, you know, whoever the artist was, Jack Kirby, you know, Steve Ditko, whoever would go in and, uh, draw the story. Yeah. So I think it's a great approach. See, I never realized that Marvel did it that way until you just mentioned it today. And uh, it's uh, kind of reassuring, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing about it is you would get all of this uh, really interesting, kind of weird stuff uh, from that approach. Because, you know, one of these artists would turn in the, the pages to Stan Lee and he would go through and just like have a blast uh, scripting everything out, and you'd get these like uh, random background figures uh, with saying something, uh, you know, saying something random that that gave more uh, more character to the story. So and you don't really get that when you have this rigid script to adhere to. So yeah, yeah, and. You know, I remember Greg Capullo when he started working with Snyder, I think, on uh, the Batman series for DC, uh, you know, probably, a, heck, a decade ago now. I mean, who knows? But uh, he he and Snyder had a little bit of a conversation concerning this topic where he said, look, man, like, I can't work like that. I can't work when your script is this rigid. Like, you got to let me, you know, give me the footnotes and then I'll I'll take care of the rest, you know. And I'm a very capable comic book artist. I've been doing this for a long time, and he preferred to work that way, a little bit more loosely. Yeah, and I mean, when you have a, a Greg Capullo, I mean, you want to just let him do his thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure uh, when he was, yeah, I mean that guy's incredible. But uh, I'm sure when he was. Uh, doing spawn I, i'm sure he had a lot of leeway to uh just like mm. just make this thing look cool and and i gotta say that uh that long capullo spawn run was one of the coolest looking comics uh ever one of the coolest yeah. comic runs i've seen heck yeah man yeah oh yeah um yeah i, I really love working that way man it's it's been profound to just draw it out and and then just give a voice to those characters on a whim and, and watch them kind of come to life in their own way. You're almost watching this. You're creating it, but, but you're watching this movie unfold in a way. It's, it's very strange, but I love it.
Yeah, uh, man, it's uh, it's like it starts kind of creating itself in a way. Like you can see, like there are things you can see in the art that uh, inform what you should, what the dialogue should be. Yeah. So like all these things start to play off of each other. Yeah, Big time. It's so interesting because I don't, I don't think too many people do it that way. At least not that I have heard of. So that's pretty cool that you're doing that. Yeah, what a coincidence, huh? Like uh, I thought, um, yeah, I was I was really unique and stuff. Uh, no, I thought I was doing it wrong, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, that's that's I try to do everything wrong. That's, yeah, that's my my goal usually. Because you know you start out and and you do it the way that you think it should be done, and I think that maybe does work for some people out there. But I think in the end you you've got to find your own way of working and i just it's so cool to not even necessarily know what the next page is going to be until it clicks for you and it clicks at just the right moment and you know at that moment exactly what to go on with next and it's better than you could have imagined uh it's a surprise you know yeah yeah and i I don't know if uh if it's like this for you but a lot of times, you know, when I have a, an idea for a page, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll thumbnail something down well in advance uh, of when I actually get to drawing that page, uh, that idea I was so excited about has just kind of gotten stale mm-hmm. uh, by the time I get to actually drawing it. So yeah. that, that's uh, one thing I realized about myself, and that's a, a big, big uh, motivating factor for why I... Uh, you know, started doing the the scripting and, and plotting that way. Yeah, cool, man. That's really yeah, awesome. Like you're saying, you know. Yeah, man, just do your thing. And uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up here is just uh, your amazing ability to crowdfund a project. I don't know if it's the first project you've funded uh, this successfully, but you you've. You've done really, really well on that, man. Um, would you mind sharing some of the the ways in which you approached launching your own comic book? Because I've got to imagine there's a lot of our audience out there who hope to someday and, and dream of someday being able to do that for themselves. And, uh, you know, if someone's starting out, what, what would you suggest they do? You know, what's the first thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know few years back when we realized that uh, we were going to want to do uh, crowdfund the comic uh, when it was ready, uh, the first thing we did was just uh, completely immersed ourselves in the crowdfunding uh, world, you know? So it was like every day on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo, what's working, what's, uh, what's you know, what's failing, why is it failing? Uh, why are things working? Try to uh, deconstruct, um, you know, what's going on with the different projects because there are uh, a lot of paths to, uh, you know, victory yeah. there. And uh, you know, some people, uh, some people have a big following they bring into it. That uh, you know, maybe they had a, a popular web comic and they're able to bring that following into it. Uh, maybe they've uh, worked for some big publishers or they have a, a a known property and uh, there are a lot of different reasons people succeed on there uh, 
um, you know, one thing that was uh, a, a big deal for me too was a comics launch podcast. Yeah. Uh, I started listening to that and uh, that dude, you know, he, he tells you everything you need to know. He really does. And there is a lot to it. Um, <clears throat> but just over the years, we little by little understood more and more the, the ingredients uh, to, to make it happen for us. So, mm. um, you know, one of the things people do is they'll hire a bunch of, uh, especially you see this on Kickstarter, they'll hire a, a ton of uh, uh, popular uh, cover artists to do variants for their book. Yeah. And so all of those uh, creators bring their fan base in, you know. So mm. uh, that that's when we see a lot. Um, but uh, with us, we were like, you know, we don't have a huge following. We, ha- we have a very modest following uh, on social media. Yeah. Uh, but we really believed in uh, the quality of what we were doing. So uh, we did kind of take the model of uh, doing the variant covers. So we were able to offer, uh, you know, different tiers uh, at uh, different prices. And uh, uh, we were able to get a lot of value in each of those tiers. Um, a lot of it was just making sure that we had a great, uh, a, a, a great looking product up there. And also understanding uh, the, you know, the algorithm that uh, those sites use. And one really important thing is uh, on your first day, you need to be uh, bringing in money. You know that's very, very important because the better you do on those those first few days, uh, the more the algorithm is going to uh, basically advertise you on the site. Wow, so, that's interesting um, to know. That man. was really important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are all these little little uh, things that you can uh, figure out that are going to help you big time uh, on your launch. So it's not, it, you know, I had a guy, I had a guy tell me the other day, like, you know, the way Kickstarter is, you just kind of like do your best and then you say a wish and a prayer and hit launch. And that's just not true. It's not true, man. There's a a ton of techniques uh, that go behind everything. And uh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm definitely gonna check so out that it's podcast. Important to figure that stuff out. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. So, so you're yeah, telling me. I mean, me. I, I. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Keep going. No, go ahead, man. Um, I was just gonna ask that. Sorry, uh, I think we uh got. There's a bit of yeah. There's a bit of a delay here, but that's okay. Um. I was just going to ask you, man, so so your comic book success, a lot of that was dependent on the quality of your product and how it looked because I've always been curious about that because for me, when I jump on to you know Kickstarter or Indiegogo and I back something, it's because of how good it looks, like it catches my eye and I just... I'd always wondered if that was the case for other people who were going to, to back something. And uh, and then beyond that, it was just you making sure that you got enough backers on that first day. And, th- and that was kind of enough for you to, 
to see the success that you did? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, that's how I am. I, I'm, uh, you know, really excited about uh, independent uh, crowdfunded comics as it is. So if I see something on there that looks awesome, like I'm, I'm hyped about it. Um, you know, I collect a ton of uh, cool comics that you can't find in comic shops, and I, I know I'm, I can't be the only one uh, out there. I think there's a, a growing market for the, these kind of comics. Yeah, me so, too. But yeah, that's. I think that's what it is. You know, you know, make your book look as as um, as amazing as you can, and let people know how much uh, work you put into it, and uh, and start telling people about it early you know like start dropping little uh teasers uh as early as possible i've been talking about metal shade for about a year now before we launched and i, I had a launch date a year ago uh you know it's been february 1st you know uh, the mm -hmm. entire time so yeah because you know make a great looking product and get the eyes on it you know that's that's what you got to do that's the general gist, huh? That's really, really cool, man. I appreciate you taking the time to, to share your uh, insider techniques and, and tactics on that because um, I think that I agree with you. You know, it's going to become a bigger and bigger thing. These cool-looking indie comic books that you can't get anywhere else are going to become one heck of a hot commodity, or at least that's that's what I suspect anyway like i've got a little bit of a collection growing myself man and it's not like that these comic books are just you know out there readily available they're kind of they've got this exclusivity to them which i think is a really cool little addition yeah definitely i definitely agree all right man well we better wrap it up here but uh before we go isaac where can people find out more about Metal Shade? Of course, I will put all the links down below in the description of this podcast. So make sure you guys check them out. But Isaac, go ahead. Okay, so uh, Metal Shade has a is on uh, Facebook and Instagram. So uh, if you use either of those platforms, you can uh, follow us on there. Uh, we do post uh, new stuff daily. So. Yeah, I think those are the the best places to check us out. Also, the uh, the Kickstarter campaign still has another uh, two weeks to go. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in checking it out, uh, definitely look us up on Kickstarter. Fantastic, man! Well, that's awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Isaac. Hey, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And to the listeners out there, thank you also for joining us for another episode of the HTDC podcast. If you'd like more comic art tips, tricks, and tutorials, be sure to visit www.howtodrawcomics.net for more written tutorials, videos, more podcast episodes. And when you're ready to upgrade your comic art skill set, be sure to check out our premium courses on the store. Until next time, keep on creating, keep on practicing, and we'll see you in the next episode.